0: It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie is presented by CarParts.com. You got to check that mobile experience out. It's simple, easy to navigate. Have parts dropped right to your front door or your back door. Whatever door you want them to. It's easy. How we doing today, Bird? You ready?
1: Oh, man. I am so fired up today. This is going to be a fun yeah. one, man. Yeah, uh, man. This is all about kind of geeking out over, you know, history and old stuff and cool things to, to learn about and check out. Right, uh, and this is a place uh, I drive by every day. Yeah,
0: man, that's what I was going to ask you, dude, because when you look at certain car collections, right, it, throughout the world, there's some really just unbelievable car collections out there. You know, I had a, a, an opportunity to check out uh, Henderson Motorsport private collection one time. That was a big thrill. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, some really just amazing, uh, just unbelievable cars, builds, the way they set it up in museums and whatnot to make it look like, you know, kind of a museum. The presentation is everything. But I tell you, man, what you drive by each and every day is more than just a museum. It's, it's a massive part of the entire automotive story, uh, our history with it, uh, the struggle, the the strength that came from that struggle. Um, it really does tell an amazing story, about just an iconic brand in this, in this you know great U.S. Of a. of ours. It's it's
1: really amazing in a lot of aspects. You get to drive by that every single day. Yeah, for most people, I think they know. You know, I work at Ford Motor Company, so I work at the engineering headquarters right there in Dearborn, Michigan. You know, right outside of Detroit, and uh, it looks like a college campus. It has those old brick you Know walls and and wrought iron gates to get in the complex. You know, I mean, it's like dripping with a hundred years of history in it. And uh, literally right across the street, uh, is the Henry Ford Museum, and it is incredible because it's so huge. Uh, it's a museum, and you have the Greenfield Village, uh, which is right next door. Uh, you can get Rouge Plant that's the F 150 truck plant. Uh, you can get tours from there. You get your little bus ticket, they just zip you literally like mile and a half down the road to the plant you get to check out a you know modern facility and how they build cars um but it's literally in the ford you know complex and across the street from there is the test track where ford you know tests and develops all their vehicles i mean so you you pull into the museum and you look across the street and you're like that's where it all happens uh, right across the street there, right across the street here, it's all around you. still working after hundred and something years. And then you turn around and you can go in the museum and you can get all the history back behind it. And it's not just automotive. What I really like about that museum is they have so many different... You know, it's called the Henry Ford Museum of American Innovation. And Henry Ford was great friends with guys like Firestone, uh, Thomas Edison, And those guys kind of changed the face of America, (laughs) you know, the things that they did together. And so there's so much of that going on in the museum with trains, uh, the first factories or let's say automated uh, assembly lines. It's just incredible how many things they have going on inside the museum. And there's always, of course, a killer car, uh, you know, display, Yeah, whether it's, you know, the history of cars, uh, you know, presidential cars. You know, they had the goldenrod in there for, it's probably still in there, you know, the salt flats. Yes, yeah. You know, streamliner. Uh, And now they have Driven to Win. So it's a whole, uh, you know, display of of race cars, drivers, memorabilia. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, man. It's amazing that it's taken – you know, taking you uh, such a ride through the history of the automobile and all its evolutions, right? It tells a really unique story from a even more interesting perspective because you're not looking at it from the outside in, you're looking at it from the inside out. You know? Yes.
1: It, yes. It's crazy. That's <laughs> a
0: whole different lens you're looking through and not the
1: normal perspective. So, it really is a one-of-a-kind experience. It, it's it's really cool and Uh, I think they still have it there, but, but literally you can walk in in the morning and they've got, I think it's a model a, uh, and they tear it all apart. So all the pieces are just, you know, on racks and shelves and whatever else. (laughs) And, and when you walk in the museum, you can go put your part on, you can go through the museum and hours later, you can come back and go, wow, it's half built, you know, because everybody gets to put the car back together. And by the end of the day, hopefully the car is all built and they take it all apart and you get to do it again the next day. So, you know, you can you can be a part of you know this place by by building the model a (laughs) that sounds like a bad adam sandler movie (laughs) uh but look
0: man i'm excited to talk to the man behind it uh matt anderson uh he's going to be on with this it's this is going to be a really interesting uh and really cool podcast we'll take a break come right back at it's two guys garage podcast kevin bird and willie b It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie Bees. presented by CarParts.com. You get that? It's so easy. CarParts.com says it all. It's CarParts, and they drop them, wham, right to your front
1: door, your shop door, your garage door, wherever you want them, Kev. Oh, man, it's all about convenience. You know, you shop online, you shop on your phone. Boom, it shows up where you want. It's all about great value. They're all about selling you the job. So they want to include everything critical to get the job done, not just sell you a part. I love it. Great place to shop for car parts.
0: All right, man. I'm fired up because here's a guy who's made it his life to tell an amazing story. Uh, Matt, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. And what a cool, what a cool story, and and just a, an amazing amount of history you can cover uh, in one place, dude. Amazing.
2: Yeah, thanks for, for having me. And, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. We've got about 300 automobiles in the collection and uh, a lot of Fords, not all Fords, but they cover pretty much the whole history of the car going back to the 1800s right on up to today.
1: Wow, man. Now, out of all of those cars, do you have a favorite or favorite era?
2: Yeah, I, I get asked that all the time. My answer is, you know, ask me tomorrow. It'll be different. But I got to say, I have a soft spot for two. Uh, one is the 1967 Ford Mark IV, the car in which uh, Dan Gurney and AJ oh, won, yeah. won Le Mans. Uh So we'll go with that for race car. And for production car, I've got a real soft spot. We've got a, a 1948 Tucker in our collection. And, you know, I grew up with that movie with Jeff Bridges. Absolutely loved it. So always uh, been fond of that one, too
0: that's really cool
1: nice now he's got in his background here because we're all sharing on video so we can see each other and uh he's got behind him the gt the mark four yeah. uh that one Mans. man And it is so so cool and um you know i've been in this museum so many times i always you know upgrade my yearly membership so i can cruise to the museum for five minutes or five hours uh the greenfield village uh and i always have to go see you know what cool cars are in there. It's, and every now and then, you know, working across the street, uh, it's just the thing to go do to get inspiration. You know, like you're just feeling feeling dried out, you know. I'm not going to let you skip over that, uh, that
0: 1967 Mark IV so quickly. Uh, anybody that's seen the movie Ford versus Ferrari, you know how badass that was, man? It had us all choked up in the seats, gripping our rails, like, come on, get him, ah! screaming. like, Tell us some insight that you know that the the general public might not, because that is such a nutty and amazing story. A.J. Foyt, um, uh, Dan Gurney, uh, I believe his name was, who, who if you guys recall, um, and you'll probably find this out, but he started the shaking the champagne and squirting it all over everybody, you know, on sporting events. It started on that that day. It's it's amazing. Yeah, I mean,
2: that's, you raised a big one right there. A lot of people don't realize that's where it began. It, it just seems so natural, you know, whether it's a basketball team, football team, they spray the champagne when they win a championship. And yeah, it all started with Dan Gurney. And he was, he told the story. I mean, he just kind of made it up. He was there. The crowd was looking at him like they were expecting him to do something. So I, the urge just came over him, I guess. But it it's such a great moment and a perfect way to cap off that race
1: well when you win Le Mans you could do just about whatever you want you know oh. like spray people all in the face with uh, you know some alcoholic beverages that we should be drinking you know like yeah that's what happens when you win Le Mans
0: well you got to know some inside stats or some some numbers and how difficult and what a challenge that was uh, for the team and anybody that has seen the movie they probably got a brief uh, a small snap, snap, snapshot of it. You know, it's like the, the iceberg that sunk the Titanic. You probably know a lot more of the, the stats and numbers.
2: Yeah, I mean the movie, it's great. and It was great that it, it opened when it did, right before our exhibit opened. Good news for us. But, uh, you know, like any movie, you're going to condense a story like that down into two and a half an hour. So you're going to leave some stuff out. So I, I know for me, the, the biggest kind of, Regret or disappointment is that they kind of cut out the whole Ford side of the story. You know, makes it look like Carroll Shelby and uh, and his crew, Phil Remington, were, were building these cars themselves. And you know, you had a whole. You know, hundreds of engineers and folks working behind the scenes here in Dearborn on that victory. So we like to tell a little bit about that story. But you know the most amazing thing about it is true that it, you know, basically starts because Henry Ford II has a personal beef with Enzo Ferrari because he won't sell the company to him and he says, you know, if I can't buy him I'm gonna beat him. And it's amazing to think of the millions and millions of dollars spent
1: on that program just to kind of settle that kind of grudge. But made for great racing. Yeah man, absolutely. Uh it's kind of neat, you know, I've been at Ford 20 years now. So I was able to overlap with a few of the guys that had worked on those programs. And uh, I was just it was just too cool to be able to rub elbows with a few folks that had, you know, significant pieces of, of making that history, making that win. You know, and a lot of our buildings still have, you know, a lot of the same, you know, the same dinos where, you know, the development happened, where it all took place. You know, it's kind of cool to to walk into your place of work. Uh, and, and, you know, some days it feels mundane. And that's why I said, you know, some, sometimes I'll walk through the museum just to get inspired by all the things that have happened, uh, you know, in and around, you know, where we work here at Ford, uh, and just kind of get fired up again and remember, you know, the cool things we've done and the cool things, you know, we're, we're still going to do. And, and we've done the GT now like three times. And I, I don't know, Matt, do you have a preference, a favorite, on what generation of Ford GT or GT40 uh, that, that you like? Well, it's hard not to love the original
2: GT40. I mean, that's where it all started. But I have grown to really love the most recent version. In fact, it's a big part of our story in the exhibit. We talk about Ford's return to Le Mans in 2016, and, and we partnered with Multimatic. Uh, they provided us this gorgeous Cutaway car that's basically half production GT, half racing GT, <laughs> cut right down the middle and put together. And the amazing thing is how similar those two cars are, not how different they are. Really
0: incredible. You know that that movie Ford versus Ferrari was like the uh, Rocky Three for the automotive enthusiast. You know, is you know Mr. T, uh, Clubber Lang, th- that was Ferrari, right? And and you guys are, are Rocky, and it was a big American chant at the end, and everybody's woo celebrating. Uh, it, it, can you give us some stats how that car has is evolved over the years? Like, you know, just some performance numbers from the first one to to where we're at now, just to see what's accomplished.
2: Yeah, well, the the Mark IV, the horsepower is right around 500 horsepower. It topped out somewhere around 212, 215 on on the Mulsanne straight, and uh, horsepower wow. is pretty close to the same with the current GT, though. Of course, instead of a big 427 V8, it, it's a turbocharged v6 right so they're getting the same amount of horsepower out of a much smaller engine but uh i think the biggest difference and the drivers will say this themselves is you know back in 67 gurney and foy kind of had to to nurse that car through the race you know you wanted to push it but not so hard that you break something that happened to ford you know several times in the years leading up to it and you know in the last uh, 20 years or so the cars have kind of become bulletproof so you can push them all out through the whole race
1: how about you Willie? Do you have a favorite out of the three
0: generations? This uh the 2004-5 version um that's yeah. Uh, yeah that dude that's my favorite. My buddy's got a couple of them and how he scored them is just un- unbelievable. Uh I every time I go over to his house I, I try to lick him. Uh it doesn't work. You don't get to keep it. <laughs> it's uh but man, it, it's it's an amazing car. Uh just to be able to you know climb the seat of one. That's one of the few cars I've never got to drive. Uh, I just feel like that would be like dream come true for the car guy or you know especially if you like doing some road courses and just understand the history behind that car to be able to drive one and push it through turns would be amazing
1: oh absolutely yeah (laughs) I mean of course I fell in love with the originals uh the whole the storyline behind them they're so sexy beautiful you can't help but you know love the original GT40s uh, but you know, working at Ford, uh, I was in advanced power. Am in advanced powertrain. Uh, so we weren't directly building the second gen, the 05, uh, But you know, we were all a part of it uh, in some form or another. Whether it was you know consulting, helping, uh, you know cross engineering, sharing data, uh, and then at the same time they were building the GT. Uh, I had proposed with a group of guys in our group, uh, you know, this V10 motor. And that almost went into you know, a Cobra and a GR1. So it was spin-offs of the O5 you know, GT. So it was going to be about the same chassis, but with the engine in front with a transaxle and the same uh, transax sorry, torque tube with the same transaxle in the back. Uh, so that was going to be kind of an evolution of the O5 GT. So different variants, different supercars. Uh, so I mean, there's so much involvement around that, that second gen that I love. But then the ecoboost right our 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 team developed the ecoboost motor yeah. that ended up in the ford gt the the new one so to see that go to le mans it's like i love i love and i love like <laughs> i have no tear, man they're just all like top choice in uh in my category matt what's the biggest surprise that people have
0: when they come through the museum when they when, when they're leaving Right, I'm sure because you're going to cover just an amazing amount of history. What do you hear is the biggest surprise from people that go there and spend a day? Well, I know in general, a lot of people are surprised at how
2: much the museum has. I mean, people think we're either just, just a car museum or a museum about the life of Henry Ford himself or Ford Motor Company. And you know, our, our car collection's always been more than Ford. Mr. Ford himself collected competitor vehicles for the collection. But it's not just cars. I mean, we've got uh, you know, agricultural equipment. We've got big machinery, stationary steam engine. We've got airplanes. We've got railroad locomotives. So a little bit of everything, really a museum of American innovation.
1: Okay, talk about trains. They yeah. have like real monster trains and legit trains in the museum. Huge ones, bigger than I've ever seen before. I think like the Allegheny, is that is that the right one? That's the one, yep. This thing is, it looks like three times bigger than any train I've ever seen. Uh, and this thing would, what, carry like 160 cars of coal up the mountains. Uh, the thing was what, 700 and some <laughs> thousand pounds? Yeah, I think by the time
2: you include the tender with the water and the coal, you're up to uh, 1.2 million pounds. So just, it's hard to- <laughs> That was imagine. just the, the front end, Steve. right? Yeah,
1: exactly, the, yeah, just the locomotive. It's incredible. Just the locomotive was a million pounds. Yeah. What? And you can climb on Whoa. the thing. Do you guys, insane. how do you get them in there? Wow. I know there's tracks in the museum and they go out the door, but do they connect up? Because I know there's a railroad track not far from the museum itself. Yeah, Is it, it still there? Can you it, still drive
2: a train right in there? Y- you still can. It connects with uh, the Amtrak line between Detroit and Chicago that runs behind our uh, museum <laughs> campus. So, yeah, we, we can get them in and out. Uh, we, we don't move things like that that often, but it could be done.
1: You could do it, yeah. yeah theoretically, oh, man. yeah. Yeah, they, they have an incredible amount of, of things in there. They have, uh, what's the roundhouse?
2: Yeah. Yeah, out in Greenfield Village, we have a reconstruction of a roundhouse that was at Marshall, Michigan, which is uh, west of Detroit, about halfway across the state. And that is where we maintain our operating fleet of steam locomotives. We've got three locomotives, all of them from the uh, 19th century that we run throughout the summer. You come out, you can take a ride on our two-mile loop that goes around Greenfield Village, and you can go into that roundhouse and see the kind of work that goes into caring for and maintaining those steam locomotives. And that's maybe even more special. You don't get to do that too many places.
1: talk about a roundhouse uh so at least for the you know the, the steam engine the front piece uh it drives on to like a lazy susan you know bigger than the you know it's diameter is bigger than the train and then literally there's like a big old bar and i think can one guy push it and turn the train so it can come in from one track and he can turn the lazy susan with this i don't know bazillion pound train on it and then stick it into one stall in like one bay ball bearings it's all about ball bearings these days that's right man yeah,
0: it's all about ball bearings <laughs> yeah we, we like to <laughs> a lot of grease joke it's <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's easy to start that turntable. The hard part is stopping it once oh, you get the momentum built yeah. up. But yeah, all yeah. done by hand. Really
1: cool. Wow, man! And they can park them in all the different slots, just like uh, Thomas the Train cartoon. You know,
0: that's crazy. All right, well, look, here's the deal. We got to take a break, man. We come back. With more questions for you. Uh, I want to know exactly uh, what are some of your favorite exhibits? Do the exhibits change? And where's the stuff that that's not on? An exhibit like where's that stuff held out, and what that building is like. Um, so let's take a break. We're coming back. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast, Kevin Bird and Willie B. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird, I am Willie B, and we have our boy Matt Anderson. Matt, how long have you been living this dream? Because what you do, what is your exact job title?
2: I'm the curator of transportation, so I work with the uh, planes, trains, and automobiles at
1: the museum. Wow.
0: Um, and this is on the the Ford Complex. Um, you have been there uh, long enough to understand every single thing on display. Is this true? I, I wish. I think I could be there three lifetimes and still learn more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are some of the most exciting exhibits for you when you first showed up and learned everything about this man and this signature Brand.
2: Yeah, the, the new exhibit when I came about 10 years ago was uh, what we call Driving America. It's our centerpiece automotive exhibit. And I think what sets us apart from other car museums, you know, we talk about the technology, we talk about the design, but we're really about the impact of the car on American culture. And now it's changed everything, you know, where we live, how we live, how we vacation, how we eat, even it's all affected by the car.
0: Yeah, amen, man. It, what are some of those stories? Like, you know, you saw, I believe, Ford, were one of the first ones that made cars available for the common person. And that was a, a big shift because cars, for such a long time, mobility in that regard, uh, in that manner, was left up to the high class people. The common man couldn't acquire himself a truck. He still had a horse and buggy. But then. You know, here comes Henry Ford. Yeah, exactly right. I I like to
2: joke before the Model T, you could get a good car, you could get a cheap car, but you couldn't get a good cheap car, if that makes (laughs) sense. The the well-built ones were too expensive, and the the cheap ones just fell apart when you drove them. The Model T hit that sweet spot. You know, here was a really well-built, well-designed car that was within the means of the the working class, and and that changed everything. It made the car from a luxury, a plaything for the rich into an everyday need, which
1: it still is today. Well, what's kind of neat, you know, seeing some of the past exhibits you guys have had is, as you capture kind of what Willie talked about, like in that area and that era of the early 1900s, right? The big thing was accessibility to the car. And then as you move through time, you've got different things in history that have happened, whether it's World War One or World War II and different things that have, you know, say evolved as uh, maybe the economy's picked up. And all of a sudden people are wanting to see the great outdoors, So that's like a big theme of around the automobile. So all the vehicles with, you know, camping type stuff or see the world kind of things to it. And then you can maybe fast forward to to another era where you can really kind of go back in time almost and feel like the 50s and the 50s diner, which they have in there, a real working diner. Of course,
0: every museum should have a diner.
1: Yeah. So there's like all these moments in time and I think different Different uh, displays sometimes capture those uh, and those movements in time, right? Yeah, man. I, I've seen, I was going to ask Matt, I've seen a lot of these old
0: videos of those old Model T's and how they used to just beat the crap out of them. They beat the tire of those things. And they kept running, just bouncing off the ground and boing, I mean, they didn't weigh anything so they could kind of take it. But it was amazing how durable those those old things were, uh, which is really amazing. And uh, you got to tell us about the race. You know, I've I've seen it on. It was like History Channel or Discovery or something. You know, about Henry Ford wanted to. You know, he wanted to, uh, I don't know, get a little bravado back in his game. He lost or something like that. He he challenged some of the big guys to a race, and that's really how he staked out his claim and made a name for himself.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't realize Henry Ford failed twice in the auto business before he founded Ford Motor Company, right? So in between failure one and failure two, he got interested in race cars and saw that as a way to kind of rebuild his reputation, get his name in the newspapers, you know, racing for promotion, just like they do today. And he built a race car, the 1901 Sweepstakes, entered a 10-mile event on a dirt horse track. I mean, all the car tracks were horse tracks in those days, against Alexander Witten. But that time was the closest thing we had to a racing star in the United States. And, you know, classic kind of David and Goliath setup here, Ford's a nobody against this giant Ford manages to win the race, and it it sets him on the way to what will eventually become Ford Motor Company. I'm proud to say we have that actual car, Henry Ford's a 1901 sweepstakes, in oh, our Driven uh, to Win Racing in America exhibit. Wow. So it's right there. Front it's center. the
0: same car? Same exact same car. One? Yep, yep. And in our collection from day one. Wow. That one he raced that night. Absolutely. That very yeah. Car. yeah, very cool to see it. <laughs> wow, that's cool, man. That's-
1: but what other cars do you have in the uh, Driven to Win exhibit going on right now? Uh, I think I saw in the background, maybe there was the, the Jim Clark.
2: Yeah. Another one of our Lotus? groundbreakers. Yeah. Jimmy Clark's car from 1965 at the Indianapolis 500. The first time a, a rear engine car won that race and really changed the, the whole face of the race. And, you know, all the attention has gone to Le Mans, but. People forget Ford was was hitting all forms of racing in the nineteen sixties. I mean, they went all out and they racked up successes for it. But uh, we've got uh, some other makers as well. We've got uh, a Chrysler three hundred B, which was driven by the the Carl Kikoffer squad in NASCAR in the fifties. You know, he's the one who really first professionalized NASCAR racing with the uh, dynamometer tests, the crews rehearsing their pit stops, all this great stuff. We've got uh, the Corvette that won uh, at. Daytona the sports car race about 20 years ago in 2001 so a little love for GM in there as well and we really just break down the exhibit by types of racing so we've got Land Speed and Bonneville Hill Climb and Pikes Peak uh, IndyCar Racing and obviously the Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, NASCAR we have Daytona and then you got to talk about drag racing too so we do our kind of tribute both to Pomona and the Detroit Dragway our, our longtime time Detroit uh, venue yeah. oh, now I'm afraid but uh, still a memory for a lot of folks.
1: Man, that sounds like quite quite an exhibit there. Um, so, you know, we've talked a little bit about you know all the things that are just in the museum all the time. We've got these evolving and revolving exhibits here with the automotive scene. Uh, the driven to win sounds definitely like one I need to stop by and check out. And I think I think just about anybody listening is probably thinking about it as well. Uh, and then you have events because right, the village is literally right out the back door, uh, and this village is like an old. Uh, what era would you say, like 1850, 1900 kind of time frame? Yeah, roughly kind of turn of the 20th century. So maybe from the 1870s into the, the 1920s. But there
2: are you know 300 years of history represented by the 80 or so buildings that are in Greenfield Village. So it's a real, real landscape across time.
1: So in there are all these different buildings that are historical. Uh, Thomas Edison's uh, lab. Uh, I think the garage maybe that Henry Ford had built the first car in. Yep. Yep, uh, that sparks. he had to cut a hole in the wall or something to get the car out. I think what he was done, right. uh, Heinz ketchup comes to mind, oh. uh, For a really smart man. That was a dumb move. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I think the first, uh, power plant, right. Cause they, you know, he was friends again with, uh, Thomas Edison, and many other big, powerful guys. Uh, so the light bulb, you know, the generator running, you know, DC versus AC, uh, all that stuff. So it's all there. There's a village. And one of the events I think is just amazing is old car festival. Uh, it's, you know, I think you said 600 cars. They're all, you know, pre-1932. So they're the old ones, right? Just like the ones you talked about, Willie, where you could just go off road with them. <laughs> uh, so they're all old cars. And now you have a village and people drive around. Like you come in and it's like back in time, the participants, the the guests, everyone, a lot of people dress up in old timey clothes Uh, And drive around and and just pick people up and drive them over to this part of the village or that part of the village. There's car races out on the big field in the back, uh, you know, where you you race, you know, a 1912 versus a 1918 something or other. uh, You know, a pickup versus some kind of five window deal. And uh, it is incredible because you walk in to an old village with old cars driving around people with old clothes on. It's just like you just flash back 100 years or so. It's it's incredible. And how much fun people have, Uh, it's such a blast.
2: Yeah, it's as close as you can get to, to walking back in time. And uh, yeah, you mentioned we let the cars drive. That's what makes it so special. They're not just sitting on the lawn. They're moving throughout the village. You know, a lot of Model T's, a lot of Model A's, but you're going to see steam cars. You're going to see early electric cars, a little bit of everything. It's uh, it's a fantastic show. And I especially love, you know, now that it gets a little darker early in the year, we do what we call our, our gaslight parade, uh, where you can see the early kerosene lamps, the acetylene lamps, the early electric lamps on these cars as they parade
0: through the village. So really, really pretty event. Uh, you'd be a good person to uh, to ask this question for, because a good way to know what's next is looking at, you know, what's behind us. Uh, what do you think is going to be 15, 20 years from now? What do you think is going to be the exhibit that lights everybody up there? <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah, no, I, I love it. I think we're, we're on the, the verge of, of possibly a big shift in, in, in automotive culture here with autonomous cars. I mean, if, if you were to ask me five years ago, it seemed like we'd be driving the autonomous cars today. They seem to have pushed the timeline a little bit, but uh, it, it, they're, they're coming, whether we, we like it or not. And uh, we've already collected a couple of autonomous vehicles in the museum. So I expect those will be up. Sooner
1: than the next 25. It's going to be the exhibit of steering wheels. <laughs> That's right. The- Guys, this <laughs> is back when they had this round thing right in front of your face and you had to hold on to it the whole time. Oh, my God. You would never believe it. Uh, interesting, man. It's, <laughs> it's interesting where it's going. And I think the other one, I think the other one will be, hey, man, these cars had gas engines. You had to put fuel in some kind of a tank and drive around with it and fill it up every now <laughs> and then. That'll be the... That'll be the fifteen or twenty year display. From, yeah, uh, everything will be buzzing around in their little electric something <laughs> or other, their fuel cell thing. Or. Uh, right. It will be <laughs> all
0: right, uh, Matt. Before we uh, before we run out of time, I wanted to ask you if you had three things that you could take with you. Right? If they said, okay, Matt, your time as curator is is up, but we want to award you for such such a great job. You could have any three things out of the entire building
1: but you couldn't sell them so it's not like you're gonna go make money just three things that you think wow that would be so cool you could pass on what would they be
2: <laughs> I, well you know i mentioned two of them already the the 48 tucker i love i, I love this uh mark four uh behind choice, me right now in, in the picture yeah i gotta say if, if i could pick a, a, a third thing yeah, you know, I might pick something that uh, kind of connected with Mr. Ford himself. We have an early tap and die set that he used when he built his first car, the quadricycle in 1896. And you talk about, you know, kind of a personal connection to who he was and what he did. A set of tools used by him to build his very first car. To me, I mean, that, that's about as special as it gets in terms of.
1: Uh, Man, I thought new. for sure you were going to pick the Oscar Mayer Wiener car. <laughs> you know that? I I, I, ha- I mean, I was ready to bet everything on that one
2: <laughs> I, I have coworkers who would love to take that home with them There's no doubt about
1: that <laughs> You know something about kids. you, Matt, that I don't I'm just saying <laughs> uh, Well, that's sometimes a display in there They got some fun uh, ones for sure They got the Goldenrod And they got the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile <laughs> yeah. All
0: right, Matt, where do people find out more uh, on social media? How do people follow you, see what's going on there? And, and what's coming up? Yeah, well, you can come to our, uh, our website, henryford.org. You can find us on all the social media
2: channels, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And our, our next big event will be our Old Car Festival, where we do uh, 600 cars, all of them from 1932 or earlier. That will be the weekend after Labor Day. So going to be uh, an exciting time. We do that show every year. If you come in June around Father's Day, you can see our Motor Muster. That's where we do the more modern cars, the 30s right on up through the 70s. So both of those shows are pretty special
0: all right man eleanor roosevelt said you must do things you think you cannot do what's your best your favorite henry ford quote uh
2: my favorite is uh, it's one of the little job books he carried around he used to write these notes or things that popped into his head we've got one where it's just one page and it says no end to refinement
1: wow
0: That's true it. that ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And here we still
1: are here we still are refining you know, a yeah, hundred and some years hey, later. Awesome,
0: man. Thank you so much for your, your time. That was uh that was fantastic. And don't forget about our show, guys. It airs weekends on the Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. Also now streaming on Motor Trend on Demand, which is a great way to find us. Uh, thanks to our guest, Matt Anderson.
1: He's my man, Kevin Bird. I am Willie Be your producer, Scoop and executive producer, Bob Ecker. Yeah, and don't forget to check out our website too, Two Share your thoughts with us. We're on social everywhere: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Guys Garage. Now, of course, this Two Guys Garage podcast—it's copyrighted, 2021, Britain Productions Incorporated.
0: All rights reserved. Hey, Matt, just to let you know, I would take the Mark IV. Um, I would take that very first race car, whatever that is. Oh, the Sweepstakes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would take that locomotive, do that big. <sighs>
1: beast of a locomotive just because <laughs> 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 you got a hole in yourself
2: that's, that's. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> all right willie next time you come to town man we're going to the museum hey i'm down we're gonna spend all day man bring your kids we're gonna have a blast
0: all right man right now, look forward to seeing you matt you take care cool thanks guys appreciate thanks, it matt. all right man we'll see you in the next two guys garage podcast you guys all right take care